What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Rewired Soul Podcast. It's your host, Chris, and today I am talking with Trevor Young. So check it out. So first off, first off, this conversation, like it's it's beneficial for literally everyone. And I'll explain why in a second. All right, I just want to hook you in. I want to hook you in real quick in case you're like, oh, I don't really need to know about content marketing and PR because you do. And I'll tell you why. But anyways, I've been working, you know, in, in marketing and sales and all that kind of stuff for for most of my my life. Right. I, I find it just really interesting. You know, how do you how do you get a message out there? Right. It's something I think about all the time. And you've you've heard me talk about it with other authors like how do we get your book in front of the right people right because that's that's a huge part of the battle people are providing such good valuable information that could help a lot of people but if you don't market it if you can't get it in run in front of the right people then then it might have been for nothing. So I think that's one of the reasons why I just, you know, I've, I've been in the industry for so long and I just really enjoy thinking about it and talking about it and all this stuff. It's kind of like, you know, there's, there's a, a, an interesting strategy to it. Anyways, with all my experience that I've been, you know, uh, in this, I like to read books and just kind of like, you know, just freshen up and see if there's anything, you know, new that I should know about. Or uh, I, it's, it's mainly for refreshers. But anyways, I came across Trevor's book, just forgot where, how, whatever, came across it, I'm like, whoa, whoa, he's providing so much new, valuable information, just different ways for me to think about things and all that stuff. But anyways, as I was kind of mentioning, you know, a second ago, the reason why I, I think this this conversation and uh, Trevor's content and his book are so important to, to more people is because everything that we're doing, we want, you know, we, a lot of us want to do you know, good and help people and all that, but we don't know how to get our message out there. So when you're able to learn from people like Trevor, you can find these little skills and everything like that. So if you are someone running your own business or an entrepreneur, this is perfect for you, right? But I also really want to pound into everybody's head that this type of stuff is important for anybody who has a message or something that they want to get out there to more people, right? This is a huge piece of that puzzle, okay? So I love this conversation. I love talking about this stuff. I, I, It's a different kind of fun. I say I have fun with a lot of guests, but this was a lot of fun because it's like just one of those topics where I don't talk a lot about it. So it was great talking with Trevor. Make sure you check down in the description below. Make sure you're following uh, Trevor over on social media and grab a copy of his book, all right? And while you're down there in the description, make sure you're following me as well at The Rewired Soul over on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss anything. Uh, I've been trying to get better at uploading uh, videos of these conversations over to the YouTube channel as well. If you wanna check that out, The Rewired Soul on YouTube. But anyways, anyways, love this conversation. So without further ado, here is my chat with Trevor Young. Hello, Trevor. Thank you so much for taking some time to come on the podcast to chat about your book. And yeah, I guess the first question that I love to ask everybody just to get started is for those who have yet to read content marketing for PR, can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to sit down and write this book? And I guess, you know, something else I'm curious about with this particular topic is who your target audiences for a book like this. Thank you, Chris. Uh, well, I wrote Content Marketing for PR because I felt there were gaps around the topic that no one seemed to be really talking about. Um, there's no shortage of people writing and talking about content marketing. The world does not need another book about content marketing. But more often than not, the focus is of this content or these books or whatever is often skewed towards the discipline of inbound marketing. And I felt there was another side to content that no one was really covering. And that was content marketing through a PR lens. So that's what the book is about. I examined content marketing through the lens of public relations and communications. Uh, PR people have been, they've been creating content for decades and decades. I've been in the industry for a long time, uh, three, three plus decades. and. Uh, I was creating content all those years ago as well. 
But it's only now or in recent years with the advent of social media and online publishing technologies that we've really been able to produce and publish and promote long form content with speed really quickly in real time and in a way that's not cost prohibitive, which you know in the past it really used to be. And I've always believed companies and organizations should become their own media channel. That's my philosophy. And that's so they can take control of their own stories versus relying on the gatekeepers of mainstream media. And it's 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 just now that we have the tools to do that, which is which is fantastic and it pro provides brands, companies, organizations and individuals with huge opportunities to grow and connect with their own audience. In terms of uh, readership or who the book is for, it's really for anyone who needs to get a story and a message out there. For example, you might be the owner of a growing business, a startup entrepreneur or a managing partner in a professional services practice. Uh, you might lead a charity or a nonprofit and have a cause or an issue you need to build awareness of and advocacy around. Uh, you might be a PR and, and communications practitioner looking for an edge in your day-to-day -day work. Or perhaps, you know, you might just want to get your own story out there. You are the brand. Your, your, base, your business is based on your reputation and the trust people have in your personal brand. So, yeah, it really is for anyone who needs to get their story and message out there. Yeah, absolutely. That, that totally, you know, makes sense. And that's one thing that I really enjoyed about your book. Like I've read a ton of books on just PR and marketing and everything like that. And, and I don't think, you know, people have fully started to, you know, understand like how beneficial, you know, a personal brand is. Right. And this is all stuff that I started learning about when I, you know, started my YouTube channel and turned the rewired soul into this kind of like brand. Right. But I look around and just, you know, uh, it's something that, you know, we focus on uh, at, at my current job, right? We're focusing on like personal branding and trying to teach people the importance of it and getting your voice, your message out there. And, you know, while not everybody on earth needs to do it, I want more people, I think I want more people to understand, like it's not just about if you have a product or a service, right? Like I have a bunch of authors come on here, but I think about, you know, uh, uh, more people like, uh, you know, like school teachers, like should a teacher have a have a personal brand? Should, you know, uh, uh, you know, salespeople at like a car dealership? Like I, I wanna start, you know, having people kind of think outside the box because there's so many ways to get your message out there and so many people have different perspectives on their, you know, their industry or whatever it is. And, you know, it can, you know, ultimately help them. And it can even be beneficial for people who are trying to, you know, go out and, you know, uh, raise money and do, uh, you know, charity work and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, so of course I, I, I love the book, right? And during the day, um, part of, you know, my work is in marketing and PR, but, you know, I, I still learned a ton from the book and you managed to cover so many different aspects of content marketing, right? And, you know, my my main role is uh, content. I, I manage the content, right? So there are a, a ton of strategies in the book for creating content, but when it comes to writing, something that I've noticed, and sometimes I, I take this for granted, is that not everyone is a natural writer. By the way, like people think I'm just like blowing smoke up their butt when I compliment their writing. Like I have worked in like, uh, just like content for a long, long, long time. And something it took me a while to learn is that it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. So I hope anybody listening to this, if I say that you are a good writer, like please trust me when I say it. But anyways, anyways, it doesn't come natural to everybody, Trevor. So do you think it's better for someone to practice their writing and just try to improve their skills and you know things like that um or is it better for them to just you know hire somebody like there's a bunch of content services out there where you can hire people to you know write the content for you well firstly thank you for taking time out to read the book uh chris i really appreciate it should you hire a writer or do it yourself um it's a really good question and i guess the answer will differ depending on whether you're talking about a large enterprise versus a smaller business, for example. For a large organization, I think it makes complete sense to have a cohort of 
trusted professional writers on the team, whether or not they're actually employed full time or they're regular freelance writers brought in uh, on an ad as needs basis. That will really depend on individual circumstances such as volume of content being produced, uh, the budget involved and, and whether or not the content being produced is you know, of a highly technical nature, for example, when you need experts. If we're talking about heavier thought leadership type articles, well, chances are the people who usually write these articles also tend to be those higher up in a business or an organisation. The owners, the senior managers, the top earning experts if it's a professional services firm. And, you know, they're really busy people. And if you wait for them to write a, uh, a compelling article and one which, uh, you know, they'll probably want to get perfect before submitting, let's face it, uh, chances are that it's going to take plenty of time. Um, and in my experience, it's hard to get some, something out of these types of professional people in a, in a timely manner. It, it just is what it is, time's an issue. Um, so what I've done many times in the, in the past uh, with my clients, you know, when, when they are experts or owners and, and you know, the, the information is in their heads and I need the story from them, uh, and I certainly, uh, I do it with my clients and I certainly encourage others to do the same. Get a good writer, preferably one with a background in journalism, to interview the leader or the expert and then write the story from the answers. Journalists aren't always the best writers, but they're the best at getting the story out of people. They know how to ask the right questions to get the most interesting quotes and then to be able to weave everything together in a cohesive piece. And that's what you're after, a good yarn that will hook the reader in. Now, I see this can be done in a couple of ways. Either provide the leader or the expert with written questions and get them to record their answers on their phone. They'll do this a lot quicker than sitting down and writing them. Get the recording off them, get it transcribed, use a tool such as Rev or Otter. There's no shortage of transcription services these days. And then give it to the, the writer so they can weave their magic. Or, and, and there's an alternative to this, and this takes more effort but produces better results, I think, and that is to record the interview on video so the writer controls the proceedings and then probes for answers and more in-depth comments and in insights. And then you can write the article from the information provided. Now, of course, that video could then be published on YouTube, included in resulting blog posts, perhaps. Uh, you can cut it up into smaller bite-sized video pieces for you know, use on social media. And you could even turn it into an audio podcast, strip the video out and turn it into an audio only podcast. Of course, if you're going down this path, you'll need to do a lot more interviews for ongoing episodes. Um, and that can be a bit of a millstone. And you, you'll need to be able to plan them out to ensure there's a consistent theme that, that makes sense for the listener rather than just put ad hoc uh, interviews up there. But so they're the two types. Um, let, let, let the expert, the leader, run wild with their phone and record it or take control of it and interview them. And if you like, take it up a notch by uh, doing video as well. I guess there's one other thing finally, um, Chris, well, good writing is essential across the board when it comes to social media and content marketing generally and the quality stakes are going up all the time when it comes to brand journalism, there are other mediums brands can employ. Now, if you're going to get a busy executive or a leader to take time out of their schedule, you need to make it as easy as possible for them, while at the same time ensure you get the right information out of their heads for any resultant article or video. And that's the key. Experts and leaders can't outsource their thought leadership but you can make it easier for them to get the thoughts, the insights, the ideas, the stories, the wisdom out of their head and down on virtual paper in a way that's cogent and compelling. Yeah, you know what? When it comes to writing, uh, something I've noticed, something I've noticed lately, just since I, you know, became this lover of books and I read so much, so many books, I'm always trying to figure out like which books, like why do I like certain books compared to others? And I read a lot of books from like academics and things like that, but I'm starting to notice that the style of writing that I really enjoy is when a journalist 
writes a book, right? And sometimes it's like science writers, science journalists, and and uh, because they're able to take complex topics and take them down a notch. I think that's great too. And that's why, you know, I, I'm totally down with the idea of, you know, big companies and stuff like get a journalist or as a writer or somebody with a background in journalism. Um, when I was doing freelance writing, you know, it's something, you know, even though I don't have a journalism degree, like I saw the benefits in that when people wanted, uh, you know, content about their company or something like that, like it was difficult to just like get, you know, they'd say like, look at, look at the website, right? But being able to like sit down and have an interview and ask questions and fill in little gaps, um, especially I used to work at this old content marketing or content management company. We worked with so many different industries from like uh, uh, like clothing brands to travel companies to drug and alcohol rehabs, right? And sometimes it's difficult to be an expert on all those things. So when you sit down, you have a conversation with the people who work there who know their industry inside and out, you can learn about it and write it better. But yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. Uh, not that long ago, um, I actually had Ann Janzer on talking about you know her book. Um, well, she writes a lot of books and it's on nonfiction writing, but I really try to teach people and something I'm trying to teach my son too, is like to get by in this world, right? Like you have to be decent at writing, right? And I don't, I don't think people understand, like, you don't need to be, like, the master of grammar. But, you know, you want to make sure that you can take your ideas and put them down in a way that people understand, right? And you don't need to be a writer to do that. So it's a good practice because we're all doing, like, presentations for work or we want to, you know, share our ideas on social media and we don't want to be taken the wrong way. And that's part of, you know, PR, right? We want to make sure that our message isn't taken out of, you know, uh, seen in the wrong way or people misconstrue what we said and, and all that. So, yeah, I, 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 I absolutely agree. So, um, So, yeah, so, like, when it comes to, like, data and analytics, right? Like I'm a huge nerd. I'm a huge nerd. I, I check my analytics and data like for this podcast, for my blogs, for my, you know, books that I've written and all that kind of stuff. But I've definitely seen the benefits of, uh, you know, of it, but it doesn't always work, right? It doesn't always work by diving into the analytics and the data. Like at a certain point, it, it feels like the luck of the algorithms play a role. And what I mean by that, like I know skill and quality is definitely up there, right? But sometimes you could do everything correctly and the algorithms are just like, nah. I, I first learned about this in YouTube and now in just other ways, you know, I'm kind of seeing that. But anyways, anyways. So in your opinion, Trevor, do you think someone should spend more time analyzing their data, right? And seeing, you know, what worked, what didn't according to the data or should they focus on producing a large quantity of quality work to improve their odds. I'll use myself as an example. I don't think many people have realized this yet, but this podcast has only been up and running since since May, and I'm at like 50-ish episodes already. I, I don't have the number right in front of me, but yeah, I cranked them out, and that's how I benefited on YouTube. I played the numbers game. I was making more quality content on a regular basis, so I had more chances. So anyways, I'm curious about your thoughts around the balance between quantity or just analyzing the data and trying to hyper-focus on certain points. A couple of things firstly. One is I'm always quality over quantity. If you can do quantity with high quality, that's good, but quality should trump quantity all the time. My other first of all bit of advice has always been don't become a slave to the data, uh, you know, data, yes, very, very important. Yes, you need to analyze so you can glean insights as to what's working and what's not to discover what your audience is interested in. And for story ideas, data can produce some terrific insights on that front if you know where to look. Uh, I, I guess if you're producing what I call utility content, and that's content that's useful and helpful for a specific audience, content that answers their questions, addresses their fears and, and any informational needs they may have. This is the bulk of content we see from inbound marketers, which is great because no one ever went wrong being useful and helpful. But when it comes to leadership content, leadership content is more substantive, thought-provoking, insightful. It tends to be bigger, picture in nature compared to utility content. Um, the critical element here is 
It's designed to spark conversation and potentially ignite debate. It doesn't necessarily address a customer need or a pain point. Indeed, it might even challenge people or murder, what I like to say metaphorically, poke them in the eye by changing the way they think about a particular topic or issue. And this content could inspire people to take action that could tap into their dreams and their aspirations and help them reframe their thoughts around a, a subject that's dear to their heart. Think commentary on industry issues and trends, for example, insights based on research, informed perspectives on big picture topics. Often this content is interesting and worth coming back to. It's also the content most likely to attract the attention of industry movers and shakers or journalists or influencers such as bloggers and podcasters. So if your goal, if your goal is to increase the level of earned media coverage, editorial exposure, building a solid base of compelling leadership content might prove to be really valuable in this regard. The thing is people don't know what they don't know and with leadership content you're presenting insights thoughts and ideas that may make people sit up and take notice. It's not necessarily content they're searching for to solve a pain point or a need they may have. And this is one area where uh, PR people really excel when it comes to content marketing. Now that said, when you float ideas out there, look at the data, what is resonating with people. You might discover a vein of inspiration, a niche within a topic that's really resonating with people. So maybe that warrants further consideration. And of course, pursuing this niche topic needs to fit well with your goals as well. It's a fair bit to think about. Yeah, that's so that's so crazy, Trevor. As as you were saying that, I was thinking about you know, uh, you know, the way I even asked that question. I said, you know, I've been producing a ton of, you know, content uh, in regards to the podcast. But if I look at you know my quote unquote you know my overall brand, I have you know I love writing. Like writing is my thing. Like I love writing. I love. Uh, you know, learning. But one reason I love to write is to play around with ideas and give different perspectives. And kind of like, you know, you mentioned when you talked about what inspired you to write this book, sometimes I'm just inspired to write because I'm like, I don't feel like anybody's talking about this aspect of this topic. But anyways, I finally figured out a way to get some time in to start writing again. So I've been publishing work over on Substack. And that's more of, you know, what, what you're calling like, you know, leadership content with like these, these kind of bigger ideas, right? So I guess, you know, I, you know, I, I personally have just depending on the platform, you know, there's, there's quantity and, you know, uh, I don't even like saying like quality, right? Like I think, you know, when I have conversations with people, it's, it's great. It's fun. I get to, you know, chat and, you know, it's, it's awesome. Right. But, uh, it doesn't take as long for me to like sit down and really like map out the ideas for one of these like posts where, you know, I'm talking about this, like, for example, I just wrote a piece, uh, you know, yesterday before, you know, uh, publishing this, this, uh, podcast episode and the Substack piece was around, you know, social media, like should social media protect people from misinformation and kind of like, like child proofing it. Right. And, you know, that typically seems to be the answer, but I think it's, you know, more complex and nuanced. So anyways, people can go read that, you know, piece, uh, <laughs> I've, I've shared it everywhere, but I was able to map out like this kind of bigger idea and, and yeah, I've noticed I get a lot more feedback and engagement and stuff like that when I write these big idea pieces, aside from like, uh, you know, these, these conversations, you know, even though a lot of people like these conversations and sometimes we're able to, you know, tackle different interesting topics and stuff. So, so yeah, it, it's an interesting uh, kind of, kind of balance. But anyway, so, so one of the major mistakes that all of us make that we we don't know right we don't know who we want to reach and that's something i'm you know i i used to have it just spot on i was trying to reach people who wanted help with their mental health and addiction and stuff like that and then like with this podcast and what i'm doing i'm trying to figure it out right now right i'm trying to figure i'm trying to you know build the plane as i'm flying it and i'm building a great community here but i think this is something a lot of people you know, struggle with like, who is a target audience? Who are you trying to reach? That's one of the reasons why I ask, you know, all the guests, like who's your target audience? I'm trying to see the thought process behind it and all that. Uh, but anyways, in your book, you discuss, you know, these, these sphere, these quote unquote, like spheres of conversation and what we want to be known for. So what are some strategies that we and me <laughs> can use to narrow this down, to narrow down 
who we're trying to reach. This is a massive roadblock, Chris. Um, I see this all the time, and it's certainly something I've also grappled with over the journey. Spheres of Conversation is a process I've used for, I reckon, 15 years or more. I've found it very useful in getting my clients to focus on what they want to be known for, their reputational stakes in the ground, as it were. For example, what are the public conversations that a business or an organization want to be involved in? I ask my clients that. Which conversations do you want to participate in or lead? What debates do you want to ignite, facilitate or engage in? It's totally okay to start with something big, a big broad topic um, that's being talked about at a high level, but then cascade. The secret then is to cascade down into those specific areas of speciality or specialization or in England, specialisms that you want to be noted for. And this is the sweet spot, your flag in the ground. That's that virtual territory you want to be known for in the minds of your, your customers and influencers and stakeholders. And sometimes this comes easily, but not always. Once you've identified the key spheres of conversation, and I like to settle on two or three, but you know, any more than four and you're spreading yourself way too thin, thin from, a, uh, from a comms perspective, then you can start building out your content plan around each one. So you've got your big sphere, you've got your areas of speciality coming off that, and then you can start building out your content plan uh, accordingly. Uh, prioritization of your spheres of these topics is also recommended. So this step is done in parallel to audience identification. To me, audience first sits with business strategy. Who are the people who matter the most to the success of your business cause or issue? Ideal clients and customers clearly sit under this, but potentially so too do the people who influence them. Remember, not everyone who creates content is a business, but pretty much everyone needs to be able to influence a particular outcome. So for businesses, that outcome is probably new leads and sales, but it also might be loyalty and retention. Uh, Cause-based nonprofits want to influence public opinion and sometimes a broader public uh, agenda. Uh, politicians want to influence people's perception of them as individuals and the party or cause they represent. A speaker or an author, they want to influence people to take action, whether that's to buy a book, register for a webinar, share a blog post, subscribe to an email list, or attend an event. And a salary business professional, well, they want to enhance their career opportunities by influencing the perceptions others have of them within their industry, specifically recruiters and future employers. Now, creating content helps build influence. Again, this is another reason why I've looked at content marketing through a PR lens, because influence more often than not falls within a PR remit. So to put the spheres of conversation planning process into some sort of context, there are two sides to the content marketing coin as I see it. One side, you have the organization or business, the brand. How do they want to show up in the world? What is it they want to communicate and to whom? On the other side of the coin, we need to look at our desired target audience groups. Who are they and what's of interest and relevance to them? You might spend a lot of time and effort trying to please your customers with a range of content, but if that content bears no relevance or connection to you and your brand and doesn't differentiate your business in any way, you run the risk of just adding to the noise and we don't need any more noise out there. It's critical to get this balance right and that's the perennial challenge I see for all businesses and organizations, large and small. And that, that was very well said, Trevor. And <laughs> like, I am, I am like dialing all that into my brain and, and keeping that in mind because that's something that, you know, I, I need to work on, right? And, and I, I like how you discuss, you know, kind of starting out broad and then, you know, kind of narrowing it down. I'm definitely narrowing down as I find this. I guess one of the concerns I personally have, I don't know if any of the listeners when they're, you know, doing this, is that... I'll start out broad, right? And then I'll, I'll hit on something that grows in popularity and then I'll be backed into a corner that I don't want to be in. And then you get stuck making content that you don't want to make and it's not part of your you know, core values or what you're trying to do, right? I think a great example is when I started my YouTube channel it was you know, about addiction, recovery, and mental health. And you know, I wanted, you know, I, I personally learned, you know, in my recovery that mental health 
was a huge contributing factor to my addiction and it, that's how it is for a lot of people. So I didn't want people to just see us talking or see me talking about addiction because you know, you need to talk about both mental health and addiction, right? So I wanted to make very sure that I didn't get backed into just being like the sober guy, the guy who got sober, all we're talking about is recovery because everybody as a whole, you know, we need to prioritize our mental health and stuff. So so I guess that's that's one of the main concerns. But as you were talking about that, and as I was, you know, kind of listening, I need to sit down and kind of reflect on this, maybe journal about it or, or something, right? And, and see what I'm trying to do. And for anybody listening, or, you know, as well as as well as you, Trevor, like, I, I think, you know, like, what do I want to be known for? Like, I, I don't even know, right? I, I just feel, I feel that we need to be having more conversations on a variety of different topics. I love to read. And I like to just talk and have people think about different topics from different angles, get different views, get different perspectives, and all that. And, you know, one of the other things that I, I really want to do is, you know, almost like we were talking about when I was talking about journalism is, taking complex topics and being able to kind of like break them down, right? Because I personally love reading topics from very niche aspects, whether it's, you know, talking with you about, you know, PR and content marketing and all that. Not everybody's into that. But on the other side, like 90% of my guests on here are like, academics, right? They're professors and people who have been researching stuff for decades. And I want to take that and, you know, show how this information can be valuable to the actual, the not the actual, but the average person. So I'm trying to bridge that gap. That's one of my, my main focuses because all the work that these, you know, uh, uh, experts are doing, like it's for, it's for like all of us. It's for every person, not just for other academics and all that, but there's a big issue right now with like communicating, you know, these very niche topics to other people. So I guess that's, that's part of my goal. But anyways, this isn't, this isn't a Chris session, but I just, <laughs> I think I had to work through that uh, by talking about it. But anyways, um, so I've, I've personally, like when it comes to like reaching out and stuff like that, right? Cause a lot of your book is like reaching out and content, like marketing yourself and, you know, uh, doing guest blog posts or, you know, bylines or whatever. So I've become like a bit numb to rejection, right? Uh, I, I do get a little, you know, a little upset and irritated sometimes, but I could just keep it moving, you know? So this podcast is, is new, but, you know, just for example, I reach out to so many authors, it's insane, right? Like, I, I, just, I, I just say, hey, hey, you want to be on? Hey, hey, I loved your book. I'd love to talk to you about it. You want to be on? You want to be on? So many of them, 60, 70, 80% of people don't reply, right? But I've managed to get a lot of big authors because almost like when we're talking about content, I play the numbers game, right? So anyways, getting back to the, uh, the, the topic of rejection, like, you know, I've been doing this for a while, but some people, they give up, right? Like it could just hurt their ego. It can make them feel like this isn't working. So whether someone is like reaching out to do a guest blog, write bylines or collaborate, get people to come on their podcast, whatever they're trying to do, what are some ways uh, that someone can like deal with rejection in a better way so they don't they don't give up. As we often hear from James Clear, he's the author of Atomic Habits, a really a terrific book. Um, forget goals, just focus on the system. Now Clear says your goal is your desired outcome. Your system is the collection of daily habits that will get you there. In other words, spend less time focusing on outcomes and more time focusing on the habits that precede results. When it comes to pitching the media, and let's face it, the media today is not just TV, newspapers or radio, it's also podcasts, blogs, YouTube shows, live stream shows. Many people set goals like, I want to be on two podcasts per month or get one opinion piece in an industry journal per quarter or I want to mention in TechCrunch or whatever. And that's all fine. But if you take James Clear's philosophy into account, Perhaps you're better off building a system, a series of sustainable habits that will raise the profile of your business, build your brand, grow the reputation of the professional you, so that when, when you do pitch to a journalist or a podcaster or a, a researcher on a TV show, you're going to be taken seriously. They'll check you out, don't worry about that. And But the key thing is, Will what they find do the professional you justice? Will it scream to them, yes, these people have the chops, they know what they're talking about. Of course, this means 
creating insightful content that cuts through and resonates, that inspires or provokes thought again and again and again. But there's more to it than just content. There's also the strategic process of building relationships with people, key influences and the like. Again, that's a remit of PR, public relations. Who are the people that matter most to the success of your business, your cause or your issue? How do you deepen the level of connection you have with them? And content can play a significant role here, but it's not the only thing. Um, the author Cal Newport once said uh, words to the effect, be so good they can't ignore you. And it's, I, kind of, I guess it's a little bit like that. Build a thought leader brand, a profile as a recognized expert so that ultimately the media comes to you in addition to you pitching to them. So it's an attract um, and a push and a pull. Um, and I think that's the best scenario to be in. Focus on building your thought leader brand, your profile as a leader, as an expert, as someone who knows what they're talking about and can tell a good yarn. What are the things you need to do to be able to achieve that? What skills do you need to learn? What daily habits do you need to develop? Dig down on these things and this will help you on your journey uh, because you will get rejected, as you said, you will get rejected. Um, but if you focus on the system and continue to build these habits, um, then the rejections like, you know, you've moved to one side, you keep moving. Remember, the more interviews you do, the more bylines you land, the more social proof you develop, which again, makes you attractive as a thought leader or expert commentator. And it's an ongoing journey. And one last thing on this, it's a pretty big topic. Uh, one last thing on this, the, a key thing to remember is that you don't always have to try and knock it out of the park. You know, so many people I know, so many clients, they want to, you know, be in the big news newspapers, the big TV shows, the, you know, the big ticket podcasts or uh, radio shows. That's fine, but you've got to build up to that. Sometimes a small niche podcast, a small industry journal, a blog, start small and build up. Uh, in the PR world, that's called the rolling thunder strategy. That is so great, Trevor. Maybe that's why I loved your book, because I think me and you get along great. We read similar books, but the fact that you like mentioned like James Clear, Atomic Habits and Cal Newport, like yes, 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 yes. Like something that I, I had to learn and I try to do is to focus on you know the process rather than the outcomes, right? And I like how you mentioned too, like setting up these these small goals. But you know, for me, I had to set goals, personally goals that I, I have more control over. And here's what I mean by that, right? Like I can control, uh, you know, reaching out to 10 authors uh, a month to come on the podcast. That's something that I have 1000% control over. But I think I get into my own head personally when I do like, uh, uh, I'm gonna set a goal to get this many authors on the podcast, right? Because I don't have control over whether or not they'll say yes. But I love how you mentioned Cal Newport's so good they can't ignore you, right? Like a lot of people, you know, Cal's uh, known for a, a lot of his books, right? But one of, you know, one of his best or favorite books, uh, most popular is Deep Work. But my favorite, is so good they can't ignore you. And real quick story, I had a, a friend going through kind of like a existential type career crisis, you know, um, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna do? I'm like, read this book, read this book, so good they can't ignore you. I'm actually about to read it again. And that's what it's all about. Like, it's all about just like honing your skills, honing your craft. And like you said, when you do that, when you focus on that, just getting better at whatever it is that you do, things line into place. Like I actually just had a conversation for an upcoming episode with um, um, ugh, Robert Frank, Robert Frank about his book, Success and Luck, because there is kind of like this, this balance between skill and luck, right? And I, I don't think we're doing ourselves any, any favors by just saying, oh, luck doesn't exist. You work hard, you get whatever you want. Like, I don't think that does us any favors, but at the same time, while acknowledging it, we have to kind of be in this place where we can hold two ideas in our head and realize that luck does have some sort of, uh, you know, uh, play some sort of role in the outcomes, but we increase our chances by becoming better at what we do, right? Like if, if for example, if I started this podcast and I wanted people to come on, but I didn't have any of the equipment or I hadn't been practicing talking to people and having conversations, 
I would I would squander that opportunity. You know what I mean? So that's why I absolutely love So Good They Can't Ignore You because when you're prepared, when those situations arise, you can impress with your skills and you know whatever it is. And that's why it's good to practice writing or whatever content you're trying to make. But yeah, um, so this, this next question, I think a lot of these questions have been 100% for me. But anyways, this question, 100% for me, okay? But hopefully uh, some other, you know, uh, people who like to write can benefit from this as well. So in the book, I, I know you touch on this, but here's something that I've been wondering, right? Like, should I focus on medium or my personal blog. And now I'm actually wondering, like, I'm experimenting a little with Substack. A lot of people are getting on Substack. But in your book, you talk about personal blogs, you talk about Medium, and I'm like, ugh, like, well, which which one should I do? Because I, I try to weigh the pros and cons and where should I spend more time or, you know, whatever. So yeah, like, for example, like Medium, you can make some, you know, extra income, but as we're talking about the things that we can't control, you're at the mercy of Medium's algorithm. Right. So. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What what do you think? Yeah. Medium's an interesting one. I covered this a bit in the book because it's a really valid question. And I'm firmly in the camp of you don't build your content assets on rented land, but instead that patch of virtual dirt that's yours and that no one can take away from you. In this instance, that's your blog or website. You want a home base where all your content can be housed and that people can find easily when they're checking you out. For example, if it's journalists or a potential client, they're ch checking you out, you wanna be found easily for that. That said, I love Medium and it does have a ready-made audience that devours longer form content, which is a really big tick. And I've seen some businesses and individuals ditch their blog and cross over to Medium and do really, really well. But you're right, like all third-party platforms, you're at the mercy of not only their algorithm, but also the ongoing health of the business. They might change strategy for whatever reason, and that may affect you. They may be sold to another uh, business and God only knows what happens then. So you, there are certain things that are out of your control. And from a content point of view, I like to be in control. So my advice has always been write first for your blog, publish there, and then syndicate that content or repurpose it or republish it, whatever you want to say, uh, for Medium. This can be a rewrite or as some people do, uh, the Medium and Medium facilitates it. You just paste in the URL of your story and it pops up in Medium um, as the story. It's fantastic. Um, a great time saver. And going one step further, I also think it's a good idea to cross-publish to LinkedIn down the track. So this gives you the best of all three worlds, your own blog, uh, medium and then linkedin yeah and and you know what you know what trevor as as you were talking like i just realized like you know i i have this tendency to just overanalyze and overthink things right i i can't i wish i could like express how much time i've spent in my head with this question but you just laid it out right there the answer is simple and it's obvious right like you can publish it on both you can publish to both like medium even has a thing where like you mentioned you just paste your url so if you uh, for those who don't know if you uh publish it on your blog you can link it over on medium medium publishes it and it says it was originally published on your website so it's also linking back to your website um the the complete irrational fear that i have totally irrational i have no evidence this is why i'm saying it's irrational i have no evidence that anybody would care or this would even matter. But I'm like, you know, like I, I don't want to post it on both because somebody will see that and will think it's like, you know, cheap or cheating or or whatever. And it's like, what? What? Like that is something that is just com a complete fiction that my brain created. So yeah, I need to keep it simple and I, I need to quit overcomplicating things. So, so thank you, Trevor. So. For the last question, let's talk about time allocation, right? Uh, you know, especially for, you know, like people like me, this is something I think about, you know, quite a bit. And uh, it's because I, I work a full-time job, but I also love creating and making content on the side, whether it's the podcast or writing or YouTube videos or whatever. So a lot of us, you know, are also torn between creating new content or promoting the content that we already have, 
right? Like sometimes I'm like, should I dial back on how much content I'm creating and promote other ones? So like the podcast is growing, like it's it's been great. It's been growing a ton. And, you know, some of the earlier episodes are really, really, really good. I love them. I love, you know, some of those earlier episodes. So some of the newer people might not have, you know, seen them, right? So in the book, you discuss promotion versus creation. What are some things that we should take into consideration when we're trying to be smart about allocating our time, you know, between creating new content or promoting our previous content? Ah, uh, yes. Promotion versus creation. Um, it, this is a huge... Well, time is a big issue for, for content creators. Let's We can't skate over that. To do it properly, it, it is going to take time and effort. Having a content strategy and a plan in the first place will provide you with focus and direction. I think this is critical. I've, I've seen way too many businesses just add to the sea of noise by committing what Jay Bear calls random acts of content. Run your own race, not anybody else's, and a plan will help you do that. Secondly, create a publishing rhythm that works for you and your business. Don't just put out a blog every second day because someone else has done this and it's working for them. Creating content takes time. Creating, having these habits to produce content takes time, but they work well in this regard. When you start building these content producing habits, whether it's writing, what, what do I mean by that? 500 words a day, or which some people do, or creating a fortnightly podcast and then settling into a process that gets a fresh episode out of, out of the door on schedule. So that, that, those content producing habits, I think work very, very well. Thirdly, if you're trying to build up some scale versus dropping out the odd blog or two every few weeks, I'm an advocate of batch producing content. And I do this with uh, my clients and it works really, really well. We might shoot up to eight to 10 videos in one sitting, sometimes even more, and then publish these across social media over a period of weeks. Three to four hours of their time produces enough content for say three months of weekly posts. And not only that, but we can turn these videos into articles for their blog, plus grab quotes to be used as visual cards for social channels. In a similar vein, I mentioned earlier about being interviewed by a journalist and getting them to write up articles from the conversations. That's the same idea. In terms of creation versus promotion, a lot of the promotions, promotional stuff can be outsourced. So get a VA, a virtual assistant, to upload your videos to YouTube, seed snippets of video across social channels, get uh, transcripts made and published to your blog, then republish across Medium and then LinkedIn articles, as we just discussed a minute ago. Yes, you can do this work yourself and it does take time. So just be aware of that. Uh, so to do it properly, you might it might be better to you know train someone up in doing it. Now, while I'm not a fan of process personally, when it comes to content, I know it can make life a lot easier and help you get better results than if you just go about your day-to-day -day in some random fashion. But at the end of the day, I think spend whatever time is necessary to create the very best content you can. This is key, this is table stakes today, and it's what's going to get you noticed. And then be smart and strategic about how you go about distributing and promoting the finished product. Preferably set the direction and then get someone to help you execute. And don't forget to continue to reach out and build genuine relationships with influencers in your space. This isn't something you can outsource. Unfortunately, it takes time and emotional effort to do it well, but it will pay dividends um, over the journey. You know, you know what's really, you know what's really funny is I've actually uh, done uh, a little bit of what you're you're talking about. Um, because I'm terrible at batching content. Like I, I should be, I should be sitting down and batching it and I'm trying to, you know, uh, figure out my own time management. Even though I get a lot of stuff done, I feel like I could be doing more. And that's actually a conversation I have with Oliver Berkman in an upcoming episode about his, his new book, uh, 4,000 Weeks. But anyways, something I've actually done uh, while my son was still on summer break, I had an extra PC tower, needed a monitor, went out and bought a monitor. I figured it was a good investment. I set it up in his room and uh, I'm paying him. I him a little like summer job paying a minimum wage it's 12 and i'm having him help me with some of that stuff that you're talking about right like like i had him organize everything and uh 
if everybody follows me on social media, I, I've been talking about a little bit more. But anyways, uh, I've had him put together all the books that I've read and written reviews for in kit.co so people can easily, because I'm always getting, have people ask me for book recommendations. So they're categorizing everything. The, the issue is, is that they're still, you know, he's only 12 and he's not familiar with all these topics. So there's still some manual work that I have to do. But it was like hours and hours. Like it, he saved me, I think, a total of 10 or 12 hours but anyway so i i hired my son but yeah i i was talking to somebody the other day there's um you know on upwork and things like that there's you know virtual assistants that you can hire pretty cheap and you know if you think it's going to pay dividends to get ahead to batch your content or to outsource you know editing or whatever it is so you can focus on other stuff uh yeah yeah so that's that's a huge help with time management but uh but yeah anyways trevor huge 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 thank you for, for taking the time to come on. And everybody listening, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you check down in the description below. Go follow Trevor. I have linked his social media accounts. I've linked his book. And like I said, like I said, and I hope you kind of gathered that from this conversation. Like this stuff is important for everybody, right? We're constantly, like I've done episodes on like signaling and status and all sorts of stuff. And we're constantly doing that. Like, uh, I think Daniel Pink also wrote a book like to sell as human, right? So like we're, we're constantly selling ourselves and all these other things and we can kind of tie this stuff in. So it's just something to think about. So I highly recommend you check out his book. It's an easy, quick read and it has so much value in it and especially if you're somebody who's thinking about like hey i want to i want to do something i want to you know promote you know my my you know my dentist office or you know uh my my little company and maybe you know maybe you you're an entrepreneur or whatever like then you definitely definitely need this book like i said i've been working in this industry for years and i learned stuff from Trevor's book and I learned stuff from you know this conversation. So make sure you check it out, go follow him. And while you're down in the description, make sure you're following me at The Rewired Soul over on Instagram and Twitter so you don't miss any upcoming episodes or books I'm reading or cool stuff that I'm having my son <laughs> work on and help me with and all that because I have a bunch of cool stuff. And like I mentioned too, I've been writing uh, on Substack at least, at least trying to do you know once a week. All right, but if you're new to the podcast, make sure you're following it. Make sure you're subscribed if you're not yet. And if you're on Apple, leave a rating and leave a review. That really helps with the algorithms to get the message out there a little bit. Like I said, like there's a luck there's a luck factor that comes in too. So we try to lean it in our favor. So if you if you leave a rating and review or subscribe and follow, that helps. Another huge help is to share these episodes on social media. So if you're ever listening to this episode, any other episode, you think someone else might benefit from it that you know, boom, share it out, all right? And some ways that you can support the podcast are down below to support my reading habit and you know all that stuff. Uh, you can become a patron. Uh, I have self-published a few books on mental health, addiction recovery. They're available at therewiredsoul.com. And there is an affiliate link down below for better help online therapy. Mental health, as I mentioned, is a huge, huge, huge part of my life. And BetterHelp is a service I've personally used. So if you want affordable online therapy that you could do from literally anywhere, the comfort of your own home, all that, uh, and it's with a licensed therapist from your state, check out that affiliate link down below for BetterHelp online therapy. All right. So another huge thanks to Trevor for coming on to chat about his book. Make sure you go check it out down in the description below. And for all of you listening, have an amazing rest of your day, and I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>